Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and today I've got an interview with Dr. Brandon Steele of ChiroUp, and uh, also he is uh, in the trenches as a clinician and doing a lot of other things, as you'll find out, and I had a great conversation. Surprisingly, this is the first time I've had him on in four years, but uh, it was really interesting because, you know, ChiroUp's doing a lot of good stuff, and Dr. Steele is really a leader in the profession, along with his partner, Dr. Bertelsman, and uh, I just really enjoy the content they put out there. You know, they do such a great job of putting out content for chiropractors to help chiropractors grow, but also to help chiropractors educate their patients. And we dive into a lot of um, different topics, but our main point of focus is how to um, gain confidence in your clinical decision making and when you create your own content by educating yourself through different resources. You know, like we all go through that period when we first graduate where we are a little unsure of ourselves and you may not know the resources or, or the strategies and, and educating yourself even further, getting to that point where it becomes second nature and you have a really good foundation of knowledge. And we talk a lot about that as well as other things. Great, great conversation. Always enjoy uh, talking with him about it, you know, and, and I feel like Dr. Steele's an example of someone that's an industry transformer, which I always like uh, having on the podcast, uh, because they're doing it in multiple ways, you know, they're doing it in practice, he's an educator as well, and doing it with a second business, uh, like I said, Cairo up, and they just uh, seem to be doing the right things. And they'll admit, almost every time I interview them, you know, they're no different than than say you or I, but they've just put their mind to something that they're passionate about and then they have a uh, unique ability for and they go for it. And we talk about skill stacking in this episode. We talk about communication and a lot of different topics and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Um, before we do dive into that, I just want to throw something out there. I, I don't have a lot of the details right now, but I did send out an email a couple days ago about it. It's uh, it's going to happen one way or the other. If, if there's not the interest, then uh, maybe it'll just be me and a couple other people. But I, I'm getting a lot of great emails uh, from the replies from the, the email I did send out of a lot of interest, which I'm, I'm really excited about. But that's going to I'm going to do in 2022 a a high level mastermind in Florida. There's going to be probably four meetups like a January, April, September, December type of thing. We're going to pick different cities. I've kind of got them locked in, some really cool ones I don't have um, for sure locked in. But what I'm thinking is uh, kind of the start out January. It's it's perfect weather down here. It really is. And a lot of you that are up north um, probably hate me for saying that. There are some days where it's a little bit chillier, but the further down south you are, the better you are in January. So I'm thinking here in Palm Beach, like Delray Beach in particular in January, then in April, St. Augustine, Florida. If you're not uh, familiar with St. Augustine, it's one of the more remarkable cities in the country. It's actually the oldest city in the country. If you almost feel like you're in um, Spanish Europe, a really pretty cool city. I've been there a ton. And then in September, I'm thinking Sarasota, Florida, on the west coast of Florida. I'm just a truly awesome, great city. And then wrapping it up in December in the Florida Keys. Again, December being a little bit uh, chillier in North Florida, so we're going to come back down to South Florida, and but it's going to be high level, ma you know, mastermind on marketing. It's not going to be fluff. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to do different things like that. But we're going to we're going to have application process. We're going to have docs that are, are doing uh, a certain level of, of monthly revenue or yearly revenue. Uh, we're going to really try to get this collective genius going around it and have some guest presenters that are also high level to really just take that next step. And so I'll, I, I don't have any other details right now. I'll be uh, getting that out in the coming weeks. But if you're interested, just email me, kevin at moderndeskjockey.com, and I'll put you kind of on my list of ones that I'm contacting first because we're going to cap it at a small number. This isn't going to be like a large conference or anything. It's going to be a, a smaller group mastermind where we really get to uh, dive in and also connect. So email me if you have any interest at all. Obviously, you don't have a lot of details, but if, if, it, if it piques your interest, email me 
and we'll go from there. Before our episode, I want to announce a new sponsor for the podcast, and that is the Grip Approach. Have you thought about adding more rehab services to your office, yet stalled, not knowing where to begin? Most of us know our patients would benefit from skilled rehab in addition to adjustments, but the process can seem daunting to implement and to know exactly what to do to get good results. As chiropractors, we're skilled at palpating the spine to know where to adjust, and the GRIP approach allows us to do the same thing with rehab by essentially palpating a patient's movement control with a series of simple tests Grip shows you which rehab exercise to utilize, the best tissue therapies to use, and how often to do it for exceptional results with your patients every time. The best part is Grip is organized online in a way that you can access seamlessly during patient care. By simply typing in a body region plus the movement of issue, you will get tons of great information on how to help your patients via quick one-minute clips and detailed notes. Right now, their, their introductory course is 100% free on gripapproach.com. That is G-R-I-P approach.com. So there's no reason not to check it out today. All right. Welcome to the show, Brandon. I really appreciate your time today. Uh, you know, it's been a while since we've obviously got the chat in person. We've been fortunate enough to do that a few times. Hopefully, we'll get back into that in the near future, but I'm excited to have you on our podcast, uh, surprisingly for the first time, you know, we've just hit our four year anniversary. I've had, I've had your partner on here, Dr. Bertelsman, and that was a great, well-received episode. And so I'm excited to, to have you on, uh, before we dive into our, our topic today, tell us a little bit about yourself personally and professionally, and we'll go from there. Uh, personally, I uh, just a chiropractor in the St. Louis area. I was a Logan graduate, uh, 2009, uh, actually, sad when you start dating yourself based on when you graduated. Um, yes. But no, I got three kids in St. Louis area. I do a lot of sports with the kids, uh, so sports and and work and 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 to get get on the road every once in a while and and meet people like yourself. Uh, professionally, I, I teach for the Diplomate and Orthopedics program, which is mm. awesome. Um, I absolutely love teaching. I wish there was. Uh, you know, I wish I could just teach full-time. I really enjoy that aspect of what I do. Uh, hopefully get back on the road doing that pretty soon. And, uh, I'm on uh, practice full-time with, with Dr. Bertelsman over on the Illinois side. I live in St. Louis, but it's right across the river mm-hmm. and, uh, just run a full-time practice and, uh, get to learn from my mistakes and then talk to people like you about those mistakes. Yeah. And, and also run Cairo up, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, what's what's so interesting is my wife asked me that question about a month ago and she said, we, we were at a, a dinner party with some friends and she said, at what point do you stop calling yourself a chiropractor? And at mm-hmm. what point do you start calling yourself a software developer? Yeah. And I thought to myself um, that my idea of developing and, and working on computers is if it doesn't turn on, then I turn it back off and try to turn it back on. If it still doesn't work, then I throw it out and buy a new one. Mm -hmm. So I'll probably never call myself a software developer. It's, it's really not what I do at Cairo up. I'm, I, I I work on more of the future projects and functionality, just the things that I see in practice that I can improve with the system. And it's really people like Dr. Bertelsman and my team that make it a reality. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I do. Cairo's my passion. It's not my job. It's what I do 90% of the day, but it's, uh, it's one of those fun things that you get to do. And, uh, just thank God you can do it, uh, the next week. Yeah. You know, it's always an interesting question because I get that as well, you know, and, and obviously we're chiropractors by trade, but one of the things that I've uh, enjoyed reading about was the idea of skill stacking and what's cool when you get an advanced degree in something is that you have a unique uh, knowledge base and whether you're using that unique knowledge base to help a patient get better, or a chiropractor get better, which in your case, um, you know, you're, you're stacking different skills. You know, you, you wouldn't be, the reality of it is, is that you wouldn't really have the ability to, to do or develop chiro up if you never became a chiropractor first. Right. Um, oh, yeah. and, and obviously what chiro up is, is just a, an awesome platform of content that you've been creating with the skill set you have. And then that's the same way with teaching, right? Like, you probably wouldn't be teaching if you didn't have the skill set of what you do with the diplomate part of it. And uh, you, you're able to take those different skills that uh, they all rely on each other 
and then you're able to apply it in different ways. Uh, it's the same thing with me in marketing. Like I'd never be doing anything marketing wise if I didn't have the chiropractic aspect first and, and go through that. Um, and part of what I, what we want to talk about today, and it's always been kind of near and dear to my heart, because one of the things that I never wanted to be labeled as was just kind of like a, a marketer or, or a fly by night kind of marketing person. And I feel like what's helped me with at least my audience is that I, I do have a clinical mind and clinical skill set that I developed since I graduated in 05 to, to date myself <laughs> uh, from Logan. So we've got that in common. I do miss St. Louis. Um, <laughs> but ultimately, I, I built the foundation clinically first so that whenever I did make this transformation into helping chiropractors with marketing and business, it, I, I could really relate to the nuances of the clinical side of things and always make sure that that's the table stakes of this whole thing is that you're, you're sound uh, clinically. Um, what are your, your thoughts on that from the perspective of um, the chiropractor that's getting out there and maybe they, they want to do some of this skill stacking or such, but um, feel like they have some blind spots. I'm glad you brought up that skill stacking. Dr. Burles and myself talked about that a couple months back and he was talking about that in, in a different way. And, and I thought to myself during that conversation, um, everything that we do is based off of being lazy. Um, and I, I really think that I work really hard, um, uh, when I'm not seeing patients to, to gather the knowledge, to gather the best practice knowledge on how to clinically manage someone. And I think that 99% of what I do with a patient is probably automatic, just automated protocol based. And I, I allow myself that a bit of laziness so I can focus on the 1% that really matters. Uh, the 1% is that, um, that activity, that hobby, that sport, that posture, uh, whatever it is that I think was at the top of the hierarchy that led to that person's complaint. Because if I get down in the weeds with treating lumbar spine disc lesions, and I know the best manipulation, I know the best treatments and myofascial release, and I went to every seminar, and I listened to podcasts, and I do everything possible, and I know how to treat it, but I forget about the 1%, the, the thing that led to that problem to begin with, then it really doesn't matter. And so I think that one of the things that we try to do is to take all of your skills and try to automate those. So you're not burdened with um, showing bird dog exercises, 10 people on a single day. Um, because like yourself, I have been there, I've done it. Uh, I've been there, uh, you know, having to reapply deodorant uh, by lunchtime because I'm on the floor <laughs> working with patients and, and, and I don't want to say that's a bad thing because there's immense value in that. Um, mm -hmm. however, that value can be accentuated by maybe automating that part or that unique part of your clinic that maybe you don't have to do that. Maybe you could teach someone else to do. So it allows you the time to focus on what really matters for that patient. And a lot of times we have an idea of what we think is important for that patient, but they have a much different idea. It's not to fix lumbar spine stenosis. It's to walk around target or pick up their mm -hmm. grandchild. And, um, if you can kind of brush through the weeds, you can listen to their story. You can be empathetic. Um, and then you can really get down to those important pieces. Then it allows you to have that patient centered care and that, that relationship, um, that's one clinically minded, but also it, it's personal and the kind of relationship we have with our patients. So that's the number one thing that I would say is that, uh, really focusing on the education piece that we do that when it and you've had this same patient, I'm sure that you get done giving them your report of findings, or you talk about what's happening with them and they're nodding their head and they're not understanding anything that you say, no. uh, 5%, 10%. And, um, and what I found is that the better I am at educating my patients, the more mm -hmm. compliant my patients are because they understand their condition just as well as I do. That's probably my number one thing that I try to do is I, I love manipulation. I, I, when I get good cavitation out of upper thoracic spine, I think I get more out of it than my patients do. Um, I, I do. I love it. Um, however, if I don't follow up with the right postural advice or how to sleep or what have you, or drive your car, um, you know, we're kind of peeing in the wind at that point. Um, so mm -hmm. it's really finding that 1% that, that really, you know, makes it exciting each morning. 
Yeah, it's it's huge. Have you uh, read the book Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman? Um, I'm going to admit my ignorance with this, that I am a Blinkist fan. I am a podcast fan. I am, um, if, if they still made Cliff Notes, which I don't know if they still make Cliff Notes, <laughs> um, that's me. Um, so I have read many books. I have, I'm sorry, I have listened to many books, uh -huh. but no, not that one. It's a good one, but he, he talks about how, and I'm bringing it up because it's something you mentioned and I'll, and I'll put, you know, connect the dots here, but he talks about in your brain and your thinking, there's system one thinking and there's system two thinking and system one is, you know, two plus two or uh, whatever. That's pretty simple where your brain just kind of goes on autopilot and it's pretty easy. And then system two is when, you know, it's uh, 5 15 PM and your shift ends at five 30 and that hot disc comes in to your office and it's pretty confusing and it's not making a lot of sense. You have to go into system two and, and really start grinding the gears mentally to figure this out, it, essentially critically thinking. Right. And, uh, I, I had an interesting conversation with, uh, there's a physical therapy group that rents for me. And it was one of the physical therapists that was, uh, complaining just of like fatigue and burnout mentally, but he was a new doc, you know, and, and, uh, and I was explaining that to him and he's like, that makes a lot of sense. And he was just grinding in system two so much because a lot of it hadn't been automated. A lot of it wasn't second nature for him. It was a lot of 23 times 14s instead of two plus twos that were happening to him. Uh, and and it, when I read through that book and, and kind of got that, it made a lot of sense to me. Right. And, and I tried to figure out how can I apply that concept to my clinical training to where I've got a whole lot more system one thinking going on in my office for me personally, than then system two, there's always going to be some system twos. Uh, but how can you really function in that system one more? And I think that goes to what you're saying with certain types of automations, certain types of resources that are for the patient, certain types of uh, educating of yourself to where uh, the TMD issue is not as confusing as it was a year ago. Right. Um, so with that, kind of as a, as a backdrop of that, um, does that resonate with you a little bit in your clinical experience over the years of how, like, how much more are you in system one now? Uh, you know, I guess we're about 12 years out versus in 2010 when you were first at it. Oh, absolutely. And, I wrote a blog and not, not too long ago on uh, the one quality and you always try to have a tagline. You know how that works when you're trying to get people to open an email, mm -hmm. you put all that time and energy in, in, in a podcast like this or a blog or a, some kind of marketing. And you want people to, to hear what you say. And the, the, the tagline was that the one thing that every chiropractor needs to have. And I was, I was trying to get to a, a reason or a rationale behind the chiros that I see in my area fail. And I'm a part mm -hmm. of the Illinois Chiropractic Society. So I have a pretty, uh, you know, a pretty decent role as far as listening and understanding, you know, what's happened in the profession. And when I talk to these providers and I've had providers in my office also, there's, there's one thing lacking and it's pretty glaring then. And I used to think it was personality. Like they weren't nice enough or they were maybe too uh, aggressive with manipulation or they didn't talk enough. And I really found it was confidence and it was mm -hmm. the confidence to look a patient in the eye and say, here's what you just told me. And, and here's what I understand. Here's what's wrong with you. And here's what it's going to take to fix you. And, um, it's, it's having the ability to separate that confidence with uh, with your patient expectations. So if someone comes in with a, um, you know, rotator cuff tendinosis where mm -hmm. you have to get things to calm down, get them out of pain and build things back up to keep them out of pain, that that person came into you not to stay out of pain. They came in to get out of pain, but now you have to rough it up with a factor tool or grass mm -hmm. or what have you. And now you have to do eccentric exercises. Um, but if that provider can look them in the eye and say, Hey, here's what's about to happen. Uh, I'm going to get you feeling better, but it's going to cause a little discomfort mm -hmm. and, uh, it's not going to get better in a week. It's not going to get better in two weeks. Uh, it's going to take four weeks to, to make that happen. Then you can really set those expectations when you have that confidence in your diagnosis and also the prognosis and to help people on their journey of, of accomplishing whatever, whatever goal they have. And I think that, you know, whenever you have a, a goal in mind, you also have to have a timeline that, that's realistic because if it's just a, a goal without a timeline, it's, it's a dream. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, patients like that, if they can't see the end, if they don't know what's about to happen, they're going to leave you they're, at the first sign of something's not going right. They're, they're gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the more to, to your question, what have I noticed in the last, is it 11 years? It seems like a long time, 12 years, <laughs> um, you know, in those years, it's really just developing that confidence, which is rooted mm-hmm. in our, in our education and, mm-hmm. you know, how well we keep ourselves up to date. And, and then I would say, this is a personal opinion. It's mm-hmm. probably not a fact. Um, but I think the number one growth mindset for myself and my practice is to reflect And it's not to focus on the seven patients that I got well uh, that day. It's to focus Mm -hmm. on that one person that didn't get well and to, uh, to survey them, to call them and to say, Hey, what happened? Or or maybe they're in the office. It's really to go back through the steps and to say, you know what, we failed here, John, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, let's go back and let's, let's peel back this onion and let's figure out what's going on. And we have a uh, we have a survey system in in Cairo that we can figure out how likely are they to refer um, or refer to a friend. You know what's their satisfaction, uh, what percent better they are after thirty days, and you know. And I look at those numbers, and you know it's, it's fun to look at positive numbers, but mm-hmm. you'll get a negative review. I don't care who you are. I don't care what skill set you have. And those are the people you learn from your your failures, and you mm-hmm. can kind of get a grasp of crap. I missed this. They told me this and I didn't read that MRI fully, or I should have ordered this test, or I should have focused on this area of the body. And uh, that's, that's exciting. Yeah. And uh, I want to touch on a couple of things. There was actually a book called Hug Your Haters by Jay Bear. And it was talking about really good customer service opportunities. And, And we have that with our patients, even though what you described is not necessarily a hater if a patient's not getting better. Um, but if a patient does not respond like you expected them to, or obviously they expect it to, it is a really good customer service opportunity to do what you're talking about, where you're communicating with them effectively, you're reaching out to them, you're surveying them, you're, you're trying to um, gu- still guide them on the right path, even though maybe the, the path they're on with you isn't working out like we expected. And I always explain to patients like no one, nobody gets hundred percent results. You know, you, you could spend $20,000 on a surgery and there's no hundred percent guarantee it's going to work. Um, so as long as you provide that guidance, even, you know, kind of post-mortem there, right. Where it's just not working, but you've at least communicated with that patient effectively. It's amazing. It's an amazing customer service opportunity. And it's just your job as their doctor to guide them, even if it's not working out. Uh, as you expected with them. So um, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that. I, I don't even know if I've ever talked about that on the podcast as far as that opportunity when it hasn't worked out with that one patient, not only to help guide them, but obviously make it a teaching moment for yourself. You know, I, one thing that you just said is, uh, you know, being better communication just as a doctor. And I was recently uh, speaking somewhere and uh, we send out um, initial reports, MD mm-hmm. initial reports. So if you see, you know, if I see you, Kevin, uh, hey, doctor, your primary, Dr. Smith, I saw Kevin, he's got this problem. I'm going to see him this many times. And then when we release him, we send out another automated report. Hey, saw Kevin, he's back to normal. He's back in your care. Uh, you know, thanks for sending him over. And uh, one of the Cairo said, you know, I don't work with medical doctors. I, you know, they do this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I think that's a terrible idea. You know, can you pull it out of your program? And I said, you know, this is a little bit less about you, um, that, that being a good doctor, be, good doctoring is having mm-hmm. good communication. It's mm-hmm. removing your opinion and just going with the facts. I'm not telling you, you need to go have lunch with the doctors. You need to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, sing their praises, but being a good doctor is having good communication, not only with your patients, um, but also with the, uh, the community around you, making sure that you're building and your website and your Google reviews reflect good on my, on on my profession, meaning Mm -hmm. the things that you do affects everyone else around us. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if we're going to change the perception of, of our profession, you know, it starts with our good doctoring and our Mm -hmm. good communication and how that message gets out there, which, you know, obviously I'm speaking to the choir as far as marketing. Um, but marketing is, you know, if you're getting good clinical results, uh, then you just need to find a way to market those good yeah. clinical results and people will find their way to your door. Yeah. And communication is key. And it goes back to that skill stacking thing. It's one of those skills 
that if you can get good at it, uh, it's amazing what it does for your for your career and honestly your personal life. Uh, <laughs> I'm reading a book now called Fierce Conversations, and it's uh, it talks about conversation is relationship and relationship is conversation. And it's uh, pretty um, uh, important and stuff. And I look back to it, you know, I've put a lot of work over the years. Uh, I'm 41 now, and uh, I put a lot of work over the years in my communication. I'm still not perfect, but I remember back when I was in at Logan, I'm not sure if they had the health awareness workshop team when you were there. Did they have I don't that? No, I don't remember. So you had to try out for it. And basically, I think they did it was like Wednesday nights where all the new patients in the student clinic at, at the, uh, at whatever student clinic you were assigned to, you had to give a, basically a, a group report of findings to all the new patients, even if they weren't yours. Right. So if like to say there was 10 that week and you were assigned to give the health awareness workshop, maybe one of those was yours and the rest were your, your, your colleagues or classmates. So uh, I tried out for it and I failed and they don't like, they'll take anybody. And I, <laughs> just not you, it's <laughs> not me. They made me come back and do it again. And I, and I did it again and I got it. And I, I was doing the health aware, you know, awareness workshop team. And, and then part of that also, which I didn't necessarily enjoy doing the, the report of findings part, but they would send us out to the community and give public speaking talks. Like I remember we, me and my buddy did one for this underground cable laying crew of like 30, just men, you know, like, bush light and camel cigarette hey men. hey hey don't knock bush latte <laughs> bush latte and so uh it was a tough crowd but it went well and, and there was multiple uh opportunities i had but that was really for me the beginning of working on it because i knew it was a weak link for me and i had trouble with eye contact i had like a lot of the basic communication issues i'm an introvert by nature but i can turn it on uh, i had a lot of those and so um, if I never would have worked on that, I think it would have hindered me consistently throughout my career. And so, but it's never too late to learn it. It's never too late to get better at it, you know, and you don't have to have a podcast to do it. You don't have to, uh, you know, go to uh, different public speaking classes and stuff, but you can definitely get better at communication. It's going to help your patient communication, your team communication, your relationships outside of work, all that type of stuff. So. Yeah, getting clear with the patient and what their expectations are is is one of the hardest things that I've had to learn. Uh, and it it it's to, in, in my case, it's to shut up. Um, if mm -hmm. you if you've had a conversation with Dr. Burlesman, tell him what or ask him what the most annoying part of his day is, and that him and I share a two by four wall, so his treatment room and my treatment room are next to it. And he's like, Brandon, you never shut up. Just <laughs> stop talking. And, uh, but I talk all day long and, um, I do it to, to focus on the 1%, yep. uh, to, to learn about that person. And, you know, you're the, everybody gets invited to, you know, to weddings and we get invited mm -hmm. to, you know, we're having these friendships with our patients or this professional relationship. And I think the more you are, uh, are, um, you know, talkative with it and, and conversational, you can dig those things out. Um, however, one thing that I think is a hindrance is giving a person who has, uh, in, in all honesty, I'm in Missouri, you're in Florida, mm -hmm. so we're probably a little below the average, but the average person can understand sixth grade language. Yeah. That's it. Um, so, and like I said, I'm Missouri, so we're probably fifth grade. You're Florida. I mean, you, you guys are probably right there too. Um, and so, and so what uh, part of Florida you're in? <laughs> Um, so yeah, you know, we, we tend to inundate our patients with too much information and too many exercises. And, um, you know, the, you know, you, you can't, you can't call it, you can't even call it a rotator cuff. It's got to be called a rotary cup. Um, you know, so <laughs> yes. you can actually Google that. Um, so really <laughs> dumbing down your conversation. Uh, I love Jerome Fryer's dynamic disc designs. Oh yeah. Um, I love the explanations you get from people, you know, like from MPI that I know you're tied mm -hmm. in deep with, um, you know, those are kind of people that have realized that you don't need the perfect explanation. You just need to be able to relay your message to your patients quickly uh, in a format that they can understand to to avoid those uh, those pieces of loss in translation that are limiting your mm -hmm. clinical care. Let's take a break from today's episode and announce our sponsor, Propel Marketing and Design. I've known Darcy Sullivan for years and we've worked hand in hand on my websites. I don't trust anybody else to do search engine optimization. There's so much to it and she does a great job. 
if you're really going to get results with Google, you have to make sure your website is SEO optimized. And I really don't want you doing it yourself as a chiropractor. You just have to have this type of stuff done for you. There's just no way around it. And if you're looking to get more organic online traffic that pulls in new patients, Propel Marketing Design is currently offering chiropractors who listen to this podcast a free SEO website review. The free review will help you uncover methods that will improve your website and boost your search engine visibility. Head over to propelyourcompany.com chiropractor and schedule your free SEO website review. You won't regret it. She gets great results and your website needs this. Your search results need this. Head on over there to propelyourcompany.com chiropractor to get your free SEO website review today. Look, you've heard me talk about ChiroUp before, and I'll talk about them again. For those of you that aren't familiar with ChiroUp or haven't checked them out, what they are doing is amazing. I just love their clinical expertise and how they really help the chiropractor and help the chiropractor help their patient base. Right? ChiroUp is an online platform designed by two chiropractors, Dr. Tim Bertelsman and Dr. Brandon Steele. They have nailed down the three things that chiropractors want and then created the resources to accomplish these goals all in one online system. Look, if you want to save more time, treat more conditions confidently, and grow your practice, then you need to try ChiroUp. Their subscribers love ChiroUp because the resources are practice game changers. I love them because I feel like we don't know how to create content sometimes and we struggle with ideas or feeling confident in what we're talking about and ChiroUp really helps solve that for you. And you will love them because of their commitment to work with you and your unique practice goals. Seriously, go to their website, check out their plans and see what they're all about. First time subscribers can get 15% off their monthly subscription with the code CHRISTY15. That's CHRISTY15 for 15% off your monthly subscription. Yeah, I actually had Jerome on on our podcast and went over some of that. And we talked about, you know, communication with demonstration, which is a really, really good part of that. And whether it's demonstration of an anatomical model or uh, obviously information on conditions that they can digest easily and, and things of that nature, it really goes a long way to educating that patient and for it to stick, which is obviously something you mentioned earlier, that is a struggle. It's like, you know, sometimes you sit down and give them this, you know, quote unquote report of findings. And it's like drinking water out of a fire hydrant for them. And they start to look dazed and confused. Uh, and, and, and we do that to them. We just word vomit all over them. And so if you can be more concise, like you're saying, and then utilize other aspects to uh, kind of entrench that information to make it really help out. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Yeah. The, the question is how to do it. Um, mm -hmm. and that the patients are consuming information in so many different ways now, whether it's through Google or whether it's through the information they hear in your office or, uh, or, or their doctor or their, their neighbor who, who knows yeah. just as much as you, um, you know, so it's, it, it's tough to, to get the right information to the right people. And, uh, and the reason I, I'm bringing that up is the one thing that I have seen that I, I do get a little bit uh, salty about is when, uh, people will, we'll say a profession is better than another profession because mm -hmm. I, I do talk with a lot of medical doctors, mostly pain management doctors. And I asked one of them, I said, uh, you know, do you, do you think manipulation works? And he said, no, you know, so unfortunately, you know, I see, you know, patients that have gone through chiropractic and haven't helped. Yeah. And I said, yeah, you know, you, you see all my failures. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I asked some point blank, I said, who do you think I see all day? Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I see all your failures. Yep. And, um, so it's, it's unfortunate because you might get a, a bad plumber, but if that's a bad plumber, you're going to call another plumber and they're going to, you're, you're going to find a, a better one. Yep. Uh, and that some professions just have a, a bad reputation. Um, and was, that's the one thing that I think that we can, can all work at improving is, you know, standardizing mm -hmm. our care and really delivering a very similar report of findings that isn't rooted in opinions or historical, um, you know, jargon and is more rooted in what's actually happening to that patient. So mm -hmm. now we can work together as a profession to help these patients, uh, get out of these, these distinct conditions. Yeah. You know, and I think as a profession, we, we, we got to understand other professions have issues too. Uh, last Friday night, my wife and I had dinner with a um, couple that we're friends with, and he's a, uh, about our age and he's an orthopedic surgeon. And we were just talking about like different things and their biggest struggle in, in his profession and with the different surgeons in his area is the, there's legitimately 
uh, you know, we, we get concerned when chiropractors uh, over treat, you know, 30 visits in a month or whatever type of stuff, these long treatment plans. But imagine the big struggle within the orthopedic surgeons or just surgeons in general is, especially orthopedists, because a lot of it's elective, is doing surgery when they don't really need surgery. There's a lot of surgeons out there that actually do that. I mean, we all know that as chiropractors, but mm. think about that for a minute. Like what's worse, you know, going under the knife when you really didn't need to, but that ortho really needs to pay for that boat or getting a 12 month treatment plan of chiropractic. None, neither are great, but you could see like, uh, there's definitely issues in other professions as well. And so if you, as a, as a chiropractor can really focus on what you're doing for that patient and communicate effectively to other providers, um, you will be labeled as the chiropractor that does things the right way. And, you know, you'll get that reputation that is good and you'll be able to kind of separate yourself from, from the others. So I agree with what you're saying. You kind of just, that was actually the talk that I did for Parker and it was, um, in fact, I don't even know how it was received. It was virtual. So, uh, maybe people turn it off soon, but it was, it was based on, it was based on pain and there's evidence and there is legitimate good clinical results with surgery, acupuncture, medication, chiropractic, mobilization, nutrition, um, spinal cord stimulators, and that we look at each one of those things as, well, that doesn't work for this patient population, um, or I don't do those things in my office, but realistically the treatment a patient gets is based on your degree. Mm -hmm. And which is sad, you know, mm -hmm. that if you go see a massage therapist, you're going to get what? You're not getting surgery. You're getting a massage. Uh, if you're getting to see an orthopedic surgeon, you're going to get, you know, medication or, or, or surgery and, and the same for us, you know, and a, a true, in my mind, a clinician is really understanding what we can do, understanding what we can't do. And then, which is by far the hardest part, but the most rewarding part of my day is having a network of people on my cell phone. And when someone else needs to see a nutritionist, they need to see a strength coach, doc, or strength coach, a, an orthopedic surgeon, a neurosurgeon, I can get on my phone, I can text them and I can get them in their office within 24 hours. And I think that when you start to build a network of people who believe what you believe and you understand your strengths and your weaknesses, that really the only person, well, the, everybody benefits, the insurance company benefits, the patient benefits, you benefit, the other person benefits. There's not a loser in that situation. And uh, you get a lot of job satisfaction also. Oh, absolutely. So um, I want to just switch gears a little bit here and just kind of on our final topic a little bit. Um, what did you do uh, early on when you graduated to really increase your clinical proficiency? Like what were some of the resources, strategies, courses, uh, mindsets? Like what did you do to really start to uh, feel confident clinically and get more into that system one than system two? Um, I'm going to start, I know we're short on time. However, uh, when I graduated school, it was in um, January, I guess it was, or December when you mm -hmm. graduate. Uh, I was very excited. My wife and I went on vacation by ourselves. Uh, we're sitting on the beach. Uh, she was a teacher. She taught all the way through school. We had two kids at the time, uh, both very young. And uh, she was on the beach. She looked over, said, um, I'm not going back to teaching. And I was like, what, what are you going to do? She's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm done. And um, it's not until you have a need that are, you're really going to change that I find that some people want to get smarter. Some people want to see more patients. It's not until you need to do those things where you really sit down and, and grind away at it. So that happened with me. And, you know, in all honesty, it was based off of need and having a family to feed and in uh, and, and my own clinical, um, you know, uh, ambition. Um, I would say that I spent probably just as much on seminars as I did on tuition at Logan. Um, and I, uh, I tell this to uh, Dr. King all the time, every time I see him in, in, in Winchester and Campbell. But the reason I'm a chiropractor is because of an extremity seminar I did with uh, King and Campbell in, in Winchester, where I understood nothing. I mean, I was in Chesterfield. I was trimester one. Someone said I had to go. And I was like, what are these guys talking about? I didn't, I didn't even know the parts of the body, you know, you can try mm -hmm. one, you, yeah. you know, your, your education was elbow and knee and it had nothing to do with their 
education. It was why they were doing what they were doing. It was that they had the patient first, that they were digging in and they were trying to solve problems. They weren't just putting these patients on a conveyor belt. I'm eternally grateful for those guys. You know, uh, I just uh, have just the most respect for people that truly are just doing it right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, beyond that, uh, I do uh, do a lot of uh, research. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 before being a chiropractor, I was uh, doing a PhD. I, I did not finish it. I went to chiropractic school because I realized that doing research and reading research were two different things and mm-hmm. I didn't like doing it anymore. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I did, I liked the research. I liked, um, learning about new things and, um, and then just really having, uh, I guess the clinical humility to say, here's what I'm going to do with patient A, uh, patient B, I'm going to do exactly what I did with patient A, but I'm going to change one variable and continue to test out uh, really what's the best way to treat patients, uh, both physically and psychologically. And mm-hmm. uh, then continue to learn from those and understand that uh, whatever I knew 10 years ago is, is going to change. And um, as long as I'm willing to make those changes, then um, it's, it's, it's been a rewarding profession. And um, I always feel kind of guilty about this, but, um, and you have a one-year-old, um, mm-hmm. but, uh, Monday morning after a weekend of being my kids and I mean, you can, you can know the viewers can't see this, but you can see my forehead, right? It's burnt to a crisp. Um, I had uh, 11 soccer games and two baseball games uh, this weekend. So uh, I'm a busy guy like everyone else. And But Monday morning rolls around. It's uh, 5.30 in the morning. I cannot wait to get to the clinic. I can't wait to mm-hmm. see what's on my plate and uh, enjoy doing uh, what we do in our profession. That's great. Yeah, and I think that continuance of learning is the key because it does change a lot. And, and luckily we're in a, a time now where we have so many good pieces of resources and information out there. It, it can actually become overwhelming. And so uh, I know for me, I look at certain resources that have curated the information well, so I can digest it. You mentioned Blinkist earlier. That's a curator of a lot of books, if anybody's not familiar. And it just gives you digestible pieces of information Uh, Because frankly, we aren't intellectuals that can sit and read for a living for 40 hours and teach a couple classes in school, right? (laughs) So uh, we we have to get it as we can. And there's a lot of good information there. So, and I'm, I'm on one small piece of this, but one Mm -hmm. thing that many people don't know that we do at Cairo up is that we have 13 people and four schools with, uh, with students who forward us information. And we actually coded a project that, uh, that about two years ago that now we can actually get information in, uh, we can synthesize that information. We've got three docs on staff and a, a marketer and graphic designer who actually take those pieces of information. And then we actually can put it into buckets. We can say that this is now going to go to Instagram accounts. This is going to go to the Cairo subscribers. This is going to patients. This is going to be in an infographic in this condition. This is a new orthopedic exam that's going to go into this condition. So now we could take information that's being published. And within 30 days, it's actually in the hands of our patients and our subscribers. Mm-hmm that, um, and maybe I'm mistaken, that technology doesn't exist. And it's, it's technology with obviously a lot of, of, of overhead as far as what we mm-hmm. do, but that's awesome. That's, that's yeah. so exciting that you could take a new uh, exercise that's shown to have efficacy and turn into a video and be in an exercise program within, within 30 days that, uh, that's, that's, it's just fascinating. It's, it's exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, I've used you know, Cairo up as an example with many people I either consult with or just offhand is that there's a couple key things. There's multiple, but in, in the eyes of say marketing, uh, one is automation. I, I love automation. I love having somebody else get the marketing out there for a chiropractor's practice because everybody is busy. And, and this, what you just mentioned is an example of of that, which is, which is just great. Taking the clinical information, it's content. You know, I'm the big, you know, content marketing for chiropractors guy. And so taking that content and and making it digestible is, is awesome. The other thing I've actually recommended a lot of chiropractors do, whether they're going to shoot videos or, or creating other pieces of content, and they feel like they may have some holes in the information that they want to shoot on, you know, Achilles tendinopathy or, or whatever, is just look into your, you know, chiro database of all the conditions and stuff and, and read up on that and, and fill up any of those holes you may have in your content of what, let's just say the video you're shooting 
on Achilles tendinopathy. So that way you feel a little bit more comfortable because one of the complaints I get from people about shooting videos, they're, they're concerned that they're not going to know all the information well enough. And a lot of them, they think their colleagues are going to see the video and say, Oh, what's he talking about? But we're not watching our fellow colleagues, local <laughs> chiropractic videos. It's the audience. So again, going back down to that fifth or sixth grade level, but I, I've always mentioned like using your resources, not only to plug some holes in there, but also to give yourself some ideas. Cause they're like, I don't know what to shoot a video. And I was like, well, go into there and look at all the different conditions there are and a great information and then make it uh, consumable for the, for the lay person. So um, I appreciate you putting out all that content. Yeah, we do. All, I mean, we do Facebook marketing, Instagram marketing, you know, developing the content. In fact, we share a mutual friend, John Morrison, that we just cemented um, um, some, some API functionality to ship all of our Chiropractic information over to his website um, platform. And you're right, it's all about automation and having changing content. And um, the more you can do that, it's not developing your website. It's not putting out a, a Facebook ad or, or doing a patient newsletter. It's doing it every single month or every single day, depending on what the content is. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's really throwing spaghetti at a wall, but, but throwing it at the right wall and, and doing it consistently that makes all the difference. Absolutely. You know, and just to kind of wrap it up, I use this analogy a lot, but Dan Kennedy, who's a, a, an old school marketing guy talks about putting a fence around your cattle. And, uh, that's what content is. It's going to be the fence around your patient base and you're going to corral them consistently. And they're always going to be in your little world there, your field and not forget about you and not, not escape to the other chiropractor that may not be, uh, have, may not have their best interest in mind. They just may have some more catchy marketing and Y straps and, you know, ring dingers and stuff. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but if you put really good content around your patient base consistently, um, they're going to stick around and, and always remember you. And that's what you're talking about with the content that you have going on there. Oh yeah. Developing evidence-based content for chiropractors is, um, it's an underserved you know, population, uh, essentially mm -hmm. we don't, there's not a lot that's really made for us. So, uh, we have more of a co-op mentality when we hear something from multiple subscribers, then we try to, to make it a reality through those mm -hmm. kind of automations. And like I said, it's out of your laziness. It's cause I don't want to do it every month. I'll <laughs> <laughs> exactly. have someone else do it for me. Absolutely. You know, and I think you got to recognize that about yourself. It's like, what are you procrastinating on? What are you not wanting to do? And if that's the case, can you delegate it out or outsource it or automate it and, and make it happen for the clinic without you having to necessarily do it? And that's what, that's the last few years for me, the, the kick I've been on is, is doing as few things as I possibly can, or at least the ones I enjoy doing that are going to bear as much, as much fruit as possible. Yeah. So the one thing that I learned, um, mm -hmm. I, I always learn a lot when I listen to your podcast is that I need to read more books. Um, I, <laughs> I do read a lot, but I don't read a lot of books. I, I'm actually hooked yeah. on, I, I read, um, uh, tools of Titans with Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. and then right now I'm on tribe of mentors. And, mm -hmm. um, so I like those little short snippets. Um, yeah. but if you could answer me one question, um, Absolutely. so if I had a, a 45 minute drive to work, uh, each morning, uh, mm -hmm. beside your podcast, uh, what else would I listen to, to, to help educate myself clinically or, uh, to get a little better marketing? Um, you know, from a marketing, actually, I'm going to just look at my phone real quick. Cause I got, see nice what's on there. I got all kinds of stuff, man. I, I'm in, I'm big into history. So I'm listening to a lot of history stuff. Oh, do you, do you listen to revisionist history with Malcolm Gladwell? I've listened to all that. I mean, I love that stuff, but my favorite marketing one is, is, um, this old marketing and they're, they're from the content marketing, which is really my formal training in, in content marketing, which has been, which has been great. Um, and then I also, I also enjoy a lot, um, the Tim Ferriss show who you mentioned, mm -hmm. I feel like there's always good business on there. And, and then lastly, um, the business made simple by uh, Donald Miller it used to be he's rebranded. It's an interesting case of rebranding. If anybody's ever, you know, interested. <laughs> yeah. Cause it was building a story brand before it was all marketing. Now he's going into more business and marketing as a component of business, obviously, but you can see that he's, he's changing gears on it, but that's a good one. It's a short digestible one too, on a 45 minute drive. So, well, thank you. But to, to, just to kind of put a cap on it, 
Um, you know, it's just funny because I've had my first child later on in life. So I've had plenty of time to read books and I've always wondered why people didn't read books as much. And then I had my first kid and now I know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) And I I joked around with someone the other day was there's a book called the miracle morning. And you'll hear some of these gurus talk about starting the morning and having this miracle morning. And, you know, it's 20 minutes of meditation and it's going for a nice walk (laughs) and it's this, and you know, it's this whole thing. And, and I think once you have your, your first child, you realize a miracle morning is, as actually being able to sleep till about 7am if that happens, that's a miracle morning in my life right now. So, Oh, I, I understand that. I've got three, five, <laughs> 11 and 13. And, and I always listen to Tim Ferriss about all his quirky uh, habits. Yeah. And I'm like, you don't have kids. He's uh, a perfect nothing, example. Uh, yeah. I said, I love the guy, uh, yeah. but man, it, it's a, it's a blessing, uh, but it's definitely in disguise. Yeah, no, he, he's a perfect example of someone that can do a lot of different things uh, without having, doesn't have the kids. And I don't, I'm not, you know, it's not an excuse, but uh, I'm, I'm trying to read, still listening a lot. So um, keep at it, right? It's a process. <laughs> well, I want to really thank, uh, you know, everything that you do for the profession, Kevin. I know we've only met a, a couple of times, but I know that you're, uh, you're involved in MPI, obviously uh, your Facebook groups with uh, the CSA and uh, your modern car uh, marketing group and Facebook. Yeah. Um, just appreciate everything that you guys do and really help move the profession forward. Hey, same to you. I uh, always enjoy chatting with you at all. Uh, if there's um, anybody wants to reach out, how can they find you Cairo up any information for them to gather? Uh, so Cairo is on the internet. That's www.cairoup.com. Um, and then Brandon, uh, so B-R-A-N-D-O-N at Cairo.com. And, um, like I said, I'm, I'm a, a busy guy like yourself, but I answer all emails within 24 hours. Um, so nice. if you ever have a question business wise or marketing wise, uh, I'd be happy to, uh, to put in my two cents or find someone smarter than myself to answer it. Sounds good. I appreciate your time today. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. Before you leave, make sure you check out our website. We've got blogs and podcasts and all kinds of great info at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. We also have a closed Facebook group of the same name where a lot of like-minded chiropractors are workshopping ideas and making sure that we have this continual advancement of marketing, business, mindset, and just growth of your practice. So check us out, modernchiropracticmarketing.com and the Facebook group of the same name.